Welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, DJ Stevens. Pow! Step in. Pow! Um, I don't. I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Step in. Thank you. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your podcast. Follow the show on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> IFF Podcast on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow the network on Twitter at Filter Free Net. I messed this all up. Joining me, as always, Dollar Bill Dave. It's Sunday Fun Day. Yeah, this is going to be a good show. And Timmy C. I'm not drinking yet. This, this is terrible. This is, I think this might be the first show we've ever done that not one of the three of us is drinking. I do have I'm ribs drinking, on the smoker, though. I'm drinking it, coffee with Kahlua in it. Is that count? I'm drinking a I'm hydration stick. I'm, I'm drinking water so I can get on the bike after this. I'm going boating. Yeah, I got to go to the gym after this. Just got me a new bottle of whiskey. It's game on. What kind of whiskey? Peach. Crown. Crown. <clears throat> By the way, I'm with down to a... Peach crown with pounds. sweet tea. 209 pounds this morning I weighed in on it. I've taken shits bigger than that. I'm down 18 pounds since I started this weight loss deal. I lost 30 just by like doing uh, intermittent fasting and it's kind of what I'm doing for a little while, and then now I'm stuck. So I'm gonna. Have how's to start how's that plugging out. in the internet working for you? <clears throat> Good, working great <laughs> on my end. <laughs> um, let's see. Is what it is frozen? This? Should I go back to wireless? No, oh. you're just like three seconds behind. I don't so, care about that. All, uh, all kidding aside, we are recording this on a Sunday because I am covering for someone at work, and I am working afternoon, so we can't record when we usually do. In all days. Um, but so we recorded this on May the twenty eighth. But by the time this drops, we would have already done our Josh Odom. Memorial's 12-hour stream on June the 3rd, and thank you to everyone who uh, bought our auction items and participated. I'm sure sure I will be very tired because I will be there all 12 hours. That's crazy. Why are you doing that? Well, someone's got to be in charge of the damn thing. Well, I mean, we can rotate in and out. We'll see. It's important to me. I want to be there for it. Well, of course it's important, but like I told you yesterday, I like my children. Yeah. I won't see. have any children, so. Oh, we'll see. I, 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 I will. I'll have to do a little bit of stuff. My kid has a big dance recital on Sunday. So should, I'll be We in should go out. live with that. <clears throat> we probably shouldn't. I can't imagine seven-year-old dance recital with three kids is going to be all that impressive. It would if me and TJ were doing commentary on it. That would be epic. Maybe I should like video it with some commentary. <laughs> and put it on the Patreon. No, I don't want your daughter to hate you when she becomes a teenager. So. Look at this little shit. She fell down. <laughs> it's just Dave telling how good his kid is and how the other kid just suck. And that girl's picking her nose. <laughs> Um, you can also join our Patreon. We're just kind of meandering around now. www.patreon.com forward slash filter free. Timmy, what are the things they will get when they become a $10 dummy head on our Patreon? You will get legends. Let's rethink this. We have an upcoming episode that we haven't announced yet. We may have already done it at this point. I know. No. Well, no, maybe we won't it have. might be this weekend. Actually. I don't know. Either, either way, Mike Kyoto is our next guest on Legends. Let's rethink this. 
exclusively on Filter Free Net. He's tremendous. In the fall, we will have footballers getting paid with Tim and Dave. Evolution of Evil is back and better than ever, just coming off a live show. Yep. Wrestling rewrite still stuck in 2005. July of 05, baby. <laughs> Been there forever. Mm-hmm. Wrestling with commercials, which we were just discussing before this show, first episode should have happened before this comes out. Plus our 2023 list of bus rides and events that don't happen, but Top Golf in Alabama is going down. Absolutely. Everyone's welcome to come to that, uh, and they can pay for ours if they want to. That'd be great. Indeed, that'd be great. Dave, you got anything you want to uh, discuss before we get started here? I'm reading here after last week's episode, Tyler Breeze to resume wrestling career. Wow. That's probably because of us, right? I'm guessing Guaranteed. so. Yeah. He's he will be competing at Prestige Wrestling's upcoming September first show. So they're loving that. I know they did re uh, re up the uh, what do you call it uh, second um, or third party promo deals like Twitch. They can do Twitch and stuff now. I guess they they're allowed to take independent bookings also now. I don't think he's with WWE anymore. He's a trainer. He's a trainer with NXT. Uh, I guess well, then he's I, a trainer. <clears throat> yeah. There's no way WWE it. ever lets any of their regular superstars. No, no. It's just like they let Lawler do whatever the hell he wanted while he was on commentary. I've, I saw him wrestle like three or four times when he was calling Raw. Have I ever seen Jerry Lawler wrestle in person? I don't know. Okay. Superman Festival, Metropolis, Illinois. I've been, I've been to quite a few pay-per-views and stuff, so I would think I have, but I don't know that. I would have loved to have been there when he wrestled the Miz in the ladder match for the title. The Miz's heel run as champion is the first one is underrated. It is underrated. I read, article, I read an article yesterday that the Miz hit a milestone. He has the most losses in wrestling history. Wow. Okay. He's he is the most underrated talent WWE's had the last twenty years. Yeah, well that's what they were saying. So he has it was like he has two thousand losses now. He's the first superstar to ever hit two thousand losses. And his ability to pull fine ass women. Yeah. He's Maurice is, life. Maurice is probably like one of the top ten hottest chicks I've ever seen in my entire life in person. I I was pretty close at a SmackDown taping where they came out and sat on commentary. My God. <laughs> TV does not do her justice. Mm. It was embarrassing. I was sitting there with a boner and everything. <laughs> but I, unfortunately, he's going to be one of those guys that we're not going to, no one's going to appreciate him until he's, he's gone. I appreciate him. I, I, yeah, of course. But I mean, the majority, of, it's like Cena. The majority of wrestling fans didn't appreciate Cena until he was gone. Now they're like, he, oh, he's he one die? of the best stars ever. No, he's not dead, but I mean, he's not wrestling full time. Dead to me because he's not wrestling. Wow. Rude. Well, no, he gave The Rock all that shit when The Rock left and went to Hollywood. Granted, The Rock was a lot younger than Cena was when he finally left, but he just left just like The Rock did. So, this money, money's powerful, generational. They went through the same shit with Hogan and Piper, and now Roman's gonna do it if he can and get both in the yes, movies. Absolutely. Um. I, well, this is a great year we're picking. Uh, actually, Dolph Ziggler's, uh, what do you call it, comparison, Mr. Perfect. Rolling here in 1992, although we don't see him on this show. So Good, good thing you brought him up. Because we weren't talking about Ziggler and we weren't, and Perfect's not on the show. Way to, way to shoehorn that in there, buddy. Again, it's this, I don't like when we do the show before the suns <laughs> hit, you know, peak. This I love it. Is, this is crazy. So, 
This week, we're going back to June 6, 1992, and we're going to watch some WWF superstars. However, before we get to that show, let's see what was happening in your world yesterday. Let's run through some events filter-free. Up first, stories that missed the cut June 1st. The Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Blackhawks 6-5 to to win their second straight Stanley Cup. Sid the Kid. Don't care. Okay. Let's... I think Sid actually was a kid at this point. He wasn't on the Penguins. Correct. June 1st, E-Lamps for a 20-year light bulb are introduced. Didn't, still, I didn't do that one. Still don't care. I didn't do that one. <laughs> June 2nd, Ringo Starr holds his second All-Star Band show, and I love that he spelled All-Star, S-T-A-R-R. Guests include Joe Walsh, Dave Edmonds, and Todd Rundgren. What would you do if I sang? That was Joe Cocker. That's Joe Cocker. Well, not Joe. Walsh. Great name, by the way, Cocker. Phenomenal name. June second. This was actually I actually wrote this story out and had to bench it. NFL coaching legend Bill Parcells goes in for open heart surgery. Big tuna. June third. William Gaines, the publisher of Mad Magazine, passed away at age seventy. Ginger. It's ginger. Yes. Did he look like that? Edward E. whatever the guy's name is. Edward E. Magazine guy. Leonard oh. Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. The kind, the the puppet on the cover. Yeah, wasn't it like Edward E. Newman or something? Something like that guy. Yeah. What was his name? I'm not sure. Okay, whatever. June fourth, the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin marries Terry Raines in Eugene, Oregon. And they would birth a fantastic-looking little girl. What's her name? <laughs> He's of age now. June 4th. <laughs> Carl's She's married with a kid now, isn't she? Yeah. She's got her own kid. She puts out. Mm. Carl Stocks, the founder of Little League Baseball, dies at age 82. What? That doesn't make sense. What do you mean? Founder of Little League Baseball? They're already playing baseball. Yeah, but... You can't... You can't quote the idea of we're going to have kids play this game. You didn't found shit. No, they had stickball before this before him. He's probably the first one to organize it and make a league with teams and such. Okay. June 6th, the American West Arena opens up in Phoenix as the new home of the Phoenix Suns. More on them later. Thank you, Dave. June 6th, Eddie Murray of the New York Mets bats in his 1,510th RBI, passing Mickey Mantle as the all-time RBI leader for switch hitters. Fat-ass Eddie Murray. Correct. Your video is so slow. June 7th, Bill Francis. I quit. I'm quitting the show. I can't win. You're not quitting. Bill France Sr., the founder of NASCAR, dies of Alzheimer's at age 82. June 8th, New York Yankees pitcher Steve Howe is banned from baseball for the seventh time due to drug use. That's a hell of a record. Cocaine, by the way. Wait till he finds out about meth. If <laughs> uh, if there would have been, if I could have found more information on that, that would have been a story in the wheelhouse for sure. June 10th, American model and actress Kate Upton is born in St. Joseph, Michigan, just up the road from where I live. She's hot. She is. That's the closest she'll ever be to you. Absolutely. June 11th, Marjorie Newell Robb, the oldest living survivor of the Titanic, dies at age 103. Was that the old lady in the movie? Yeah, she threw the necklace in the ocean. Yeah. It has to be. June 14th, former show topic Ozzy Smith turns his 1,305th double play, breaking the NL record held by by Roy McMillan. 
That's home run king, Ozzy Smith. That's absolutely right. Badass Ozzy Smith. 28 career home runs. <laughs> Badass Ozzy Smith. up. <laughs> June 16th, Casper Weinberger, the Secretary of Defense for Ronald Reagan, is indicted in the I, I Ryan Contra scandal. We have to cover this one day. It's fascinating. I love that game. Contra? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I have it. Up, yeah. down, up, down, seven, six, A, B, start, select. I have up, it in its... Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start. I have it in its original box in mint condition. Right over you there. Should, you should... Uh, sell that on ebay i bet you would still have to blow into it before you put it in the nintendo for it to work you know i've never even looked to see how much it would be in on ebay i should look that up june 16th in timmy's timmy's favorite story a 68 foot nine inch salami that was also 25 foot around is made in norway it weighed 1492 pounds they called it the little timmy sure they did Mm mm-hmm June 19th, Evander Holyfield beats, beats Larry Holmes in 12 rounds when the heavyweight boxing title. No one was bit. Well, it's just surprising as fat as Larry Holmes was. Mm. Again, another one that just missed uh, two stories back to back here that just missed the cut. We should have done this one in there. Yeah. Batman Returns, starring Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Danny DeVito, is released on the same day. Curtis Sliwa of the New York group, The Guardian Angels, is shot twice in New York City. He is still alive today. Isn't that that asshole that was always on like Sally Jesse Raphael and yes. all the talk shows? Yes. Why he, is he uh, his group, the Guardian Angels, came to fruition during um, Son of Sam. And then I came, liked him in WCW. The Guardian, yes, Ray Trailer, the Guardian <laughs> Angel, and they uh, came back to prominence uh, with uh, Getz got killed for, or not killed, but he, when he killed the three guys on the subway. June 23rd, Yishkak Rabin wins Israeli uh, parliamentary election. That's another note I did not put in there. Wasn't that the comedian? I don't think so. Yaakov Smirnov? No. That's not at all what I said. Uh Uh-oh, guys. What? Filter Free Net just got an email on Twitter. That's from Serena Wigner. I'm so naughty right now for you, Filter Banana. I love when they, they banana. I just taken that tribute for you, so I hope you love it, Devil Face. I'm not uh, clicking the link. I really want you to join me for private live video, totally for you. It's completely free. I'm thrilled to make you on me. All right, all right, skip it. We're we're gonna skip the show and just go to this live and comment on it for the. I next love that they called us filter. So <laughs> every time, don't take your time, please. I beg you, roses. Go ahead, Quello. Click that link. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know how that works out for you. Yeah, I can't wait. I want notes. June 24th, (laughs) Billy Joe gets an honorary diploma from Hicksville High School in Long Island at the age of 33. 43. Damn, PJ. And I bought it for 100. Sell it. Let's sell it now. We can do it at the auction this weekend. There you go. I like it. P.S. That's unrated. If you get it, if you send it in to get it rated, it's over a thousand dollars. I don't know what that means. So you send it in to get it graded at like one of those like grading things. They put like it in like a vinyl. Box yeah, has a bend in it or something. <laughs> yeah, and they give you a grade like eight point five, nine point five. Well, it's, and if you it's get, in a hardened plastic case, so. Oh well, that's positive. So you might be on the higher end there. Usually, video games are better if you take them out of the box and play them. <laughs> Correct. I don't know what the point of it is because it's 
worth a thousand dollars boner and I paid a hundred bucks for it. No, the boner was when I was at SmackDown. Oh, that's right. <laughs> June 24th, the Orlando Magic pick LSU center Shaquille O'Neal, number one overall. Big Aristotle. June 25th, sad story here. Philadelphia Eagles defensive tackle Jerome Brown dies at age 27 in a car wreck. He was good, too. The gang green was an underrated defense from the Eagles. Him, Reggie White, Seth Joyner. Mike Golick. Mike Golick. June 28th, two earthquakes, including a 7.4, the third strongest in U.S. history, shakes California. John Tenta. He's back. June 28th, Elaine Thompson Hera. Olympic gold medalist in track and field was born in Manchester, Jamaica. Been there. June 28th, the Dream Team win their first basketball game, beating Cuba 133-57. to It was close. Just eked one out there. <laughs> and June 30th, Boys to Men release End of the Road, which will win Grammy Awards and was the 1992 Billboard Song of the Year. Although we've got to the end of the road. It's so natural. <laughs> you belong to me. Baby, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> baby. Baby, 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 baby. Now we're getting going. <laughs> stories in the wheelhouse. Two basketball stories here to start the month June 14th and June 17th. First story. The Chicago Bulls beat the Portland Trailblazers in Game 6 of the NBA Finals, 97-93, to win their second NBA title in a row. Then three days later, setting up the NBA Finals the following season, Charles Barkley is traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Phoenix Suns. The previous season, the Chicago Bulls won their first title in team history with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, with Phil Jackson leading the way, beating the L.A. Lakers. Lakers? Yeah, I said that right. And this year, they took down... Clyde Drexler, Clifford Robinson, and the Portland Trailblazers. Hey, girl. I just want to say we've come to the end of the road. Did you guys just see that Scottie Pippen just said that LeBron James is going to be a better player than Michael Jordan? Going to be? What? When they're playing in the Wait, senior he's league? 45? <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't know what happened to Scottie, but he's... He's nuts. on all the drugs. He, oh. he is a... That's why his nose is so flat. He is definitely, allegedly, a drunk. Hmm. He started his own whiskey company, and I think he's drinking all the profits away. I must be, because I've never heard of it. So, The series was loaded from top to bottom with nine Hall of Famers participating, including the aforementioned Clyde Drexler, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Bulls front office man Tex Winter, Portland coach Rick Adelman, and referees Dick Bobetta, Hugh Evans, and Daryl Gerritsen. Other notable players were involved, including Notre Dame legend John Paxson, Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, the Big Red Dog, Clifford Robinson, Danny Ainge, and Buck Williams. This season, the Bulls finished 67 and 15, with Jordan setting his getting his second straight MVP after averaging 30 points, six and a half assists, and six rebounds a game. After their 67 and 15 record, the Chicago Bulls were the overall one seed in the tournament, led by the GOAT, Michael Jordan. After easily sweeping the Heat in the opening round of the playoffs, the Bulls needed all seven games to defeat the New York Knicks, then needed just six games to dump the Cleveland Cavaliers and route to another championship finals appearance. I miss watching the Bulls and the Knicks in the playoffs. Yes. It was tremendous. 
after averaging 35.8 points per game in the finals. That's it? Jordan was obviously named finals MVP. This championship was the only time the Chicago Bulls celebrated winning their title at Chicago Stadium on their home floor. Their other five championships were won on the opponent's home courts, you know, because Jordan's unstoppable everywhere he plays. Chicago Stadium, is that what it's called? No, now it's called the United Center, but it wasn't it wasn't finished yet. What was it? What, did they play at Rosemont? No, they played Chicago Stadium. Is that what it's called? That's a terrible mm-hmm. name. That's horrible. <laughs> I mean, Chicago's a trash town anyway. So. Wow. The trade to Phoenix in the 92-93 season went well for both Barkley and the Suns. In his first game with the Suns, Barkley almost recorded a triple-double after racking up 37 points, 21 boards, and 8 assists in a 111-105 victory over the L.A. Clippers. He averaged 25.6 points on a 52% shooting, 12.2 boards, and a career-high 5.1 assists per game, leading the Suns to the NBA best 62-20 and record. This is the year after the Bulls. For his efforts, Barkley won the league's MVP award. And despite Barkley's proclamation to Jordan that it was destiny for the Suns to win the title, they were defeated in six games by the Bulls the next year. Jeff, John Paxson. By the way, my favorite commercial right now might be old Charles Barkley telling young Charles Barkley that he doesn't want to know how many titles he's going to win. It's great. Also, I, I also just read another article. Uh, the The Bulls were in Chicago Stadium until 94. That's when they went to United Center. And also, while I was looking that up, I read another story that Scottie Pippen said that Michael Jordan was a horrible player until Pippen got there. Mm. Yes. Did you know that Pippen went to the University of North Carolina and won a national title for him? Actually, that's not true. He went to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, I believe, was the name of his college. Also, who was Scottie Pippen drafted by? Does anyone remember? Scotty Pippen probably doesn't even remember. The Edmonton Oilers. That's correct. No, it's huh? the Seattle Supersonics. So he, was right. he was traded for Olden Polonies. That worked out for the Bulls, I think. Yeah. <laughs> June 15th and June 29th, another doubleheader sports story. This time, we're headed to baseball as on the 15th, Boston Red Sox closer Jeff Reardon records a then-record uh, save number 342. And then on the 29th, Dennis Eckersley converts his 26th consecutive save, a then record which has since been shattered by Eric Gagne when he converted 84 straight for the Dodgers from August 28, to July 3rd, 2004. Vern was very proud of him. <clears throat> Vern, yes, very, he was. Very proud of him. I was excited to see this story as Jeff Reardon is another player who does not get his fair shake, especially with Trevor Hoffman, Mariana Rivera, Billy Wagner, uh, the aforementioned Eric Gagne, K-Rod, they were all absolutely unhittable for a few seasons, and recently Kenley Jansen just recorded his 400 save. Reardon was a closer before closers were how we see them now. Before the days of closers coming in get the final three outs, pitchers like Reardon, Goose Gossage, and Dennis Eckersley would usually come into the game in the seventh or eighth innings and were expected to finish the game and maintain the lead for his team. Reardon debuted for the Mets in 1979 and over the course of his career bounced between seven different teams with his longest tenure coming with the Expos from 81 to 86. Reardon would only go on to uh, record 25 more saves in his career after this. Reardon got to enjoy being on top for not even a full year. His His record was broken the very next season by Lee Smith. 
Overall, Reardon ranks 11th all time in saves with 367. And if you think about it, that's that's an insane number. Yeah, that is. Particularly in the era he played. Yeah. After college, Reardon went undrafted and signed a major league contract with the New York Mets in 1977 and was assigned to the Lynchburg Mets in the single-A Carolina League. Great lemonade. Reardon quickly made his way through the Mets farm system, compiling a 30-9 record with a 2.6 ERA and six saves in 74 games, combined between Lynchburg-Jackson in 1978 and Tidewater in 1979. Following the 92 season, Reardon signed as a free agent with the Cincinnati Reds, and it killed his career. Mm. Legend. Weird. After retiring in May of 94, Reardon stood second on the all-time saves list and had more saves than walks in his career. I'll take that. That's pretty good. Not too shabby, other than playing for you know the Reds and the Red Sox thing. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, he he hit us at a bad time in our history, too, because they were terrible. <laughs> Eckersley has an incredible mustache and was yeah. the most dominant closer in the game from 1988 to 1992, finishing first in the AL in, AL in saves twice, second the other two times, and third once. Chicago Cubs legend. Whatever. He saved 220 games during the five years and never posted an ERA higher than 2.96. That's pretty good. Yes. He gave up five earned runs the entire 1990 season, resulting in a .61 ERA. It's bananas. In his 1990 season, Eckersley became the first relief pitcher in baseball history to have more saves than base runners allowed. Also crazy. But all this didn't stop the Cincinnati Reds from trouncing his ass in the World Series and sweeping him in four games. Great. Tremendous. <laughs> you know what else is going to be tremendous? Producer, it's time for Box Score Trivia. Producer. Perhaps. Because you don't trust anyone, or they can misconstrue, misconstrue your word. Just so I won't get fined, boss. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. You like that? You like that? Oh, I love me some baseball in 1992. Let's see if you guys do. We're going to start with... Batting average leaders, top 10. Uh, let's see. We've had a Barry Bonds. show topics on this show. We're going, we'll go four. Barry Bonds. No Barry Bonds. King Griffey Jr. No Griffey. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas, number seven, 323. There's one. Andres Galarraga. No Galarraga. Fred McGriff. Crime dog. No McGriff. Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez led the league, 343. There's two. How many we need? Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, no. Barry Larkin. No. There is a red on here, though. 92? Hal Morris? Nope. Two Padres. Deion Sanders. Nope. A pirate. Tony Gwynn. A Philly. Tony Gwynn is one of the Padres, number nine, 317. There's three. Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas. Of the Buffalo Bulls. Is better than Emmett Smith. Yes. Is the end of that sentence. 
Another Padre? There's another Padre, yes. Tony Gwynn. You're not going to get him. Where's I already Tony said Gwynn? Tony Gwynn. You're not going to get him. And when I say him, you're going to know who he is. Roberto Alomar. I forgot this guy played for the Padres. No, not Roberto Alomar. Uh, what are the other teams? Uh, we got uh, two twins. Kirby Puckett. A brewer. Kirby Puckett, number three, 329. There's four. Here's the rest of your top ten. At number ten to the Minnesota Twins, Shane Mack, his 315. Return. Number eight, Paul Molitor of the Milwaukee Brewers, 320. Number six of the Cincinnati Reds, Bip Roberts, 323. Ah, Cincinnati Reds legend, Bip Roberts. <laughs> number five, yeah. the Cruxer, John Cruck, 323. Fat-ass John Cruck. No, yeah. That one fits, yes. I will allow that one. Number four, Andy Van Slyke of the Pittsburgh Pirates, 324. Albert Bell. And number two of the San Diego Padres, Gary Sheffield, Shit. 330. I for, yeah, I forgot he was a Padre. I did, too, until I read that. It was just probably just Florida a Marlins legend. Let's go home run leaders. This is going to be a lot more. Let's see if you can get six. Griffey. Griffey. No. Crime dog. Fred McGriff tied for third, 35 of the, of the then San Diego Padres. Barry Bond. Barry Bonds, tied for fifth, 34. Then the Pittsburgh Pirates, there's two. Dick Pilhock and Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. No. And no Mo Vaughn. Albert Bell. No, Albert Bell tied for fifth, excuse me, 34. It was Joey Bell at that point. He hadn't changed his name yet. Yeah. McGuire. Jim told me not in the league. Does the producer realize he's not playing this game? 42 of the Bobby Bonilla. There's four. We need uh, one more. Uh, the guy in Toronto. Um, McGuire. No. Joe Carter. Joe Carter. Joe Carter tied for fifth, 34. That is the first time I've given you an answer that was actually an answer. Here is the rest of your top ten tied for ninth. Both of the Detroit Tigers, Rob Deere and Mickey Tettleton. Rob How about Deere? Steroid guy. Uh Juan Gon. Juan Gon. We're, we're, hold on. Both those guys had 32. Number eight, Gary Sheffield, 33. Tied with Bell and Bonds. Of Bell, Bonds, and Joe Carter, all tied. Tied with Fred McGriff at third, Cecil Fielder. Oh, fat-ass Cecil Fielder. 35. And leading the league with 43 of the Texas Rangers, Juan Gon. Juan Gonzalez. Good job, Dave. By we're going to go on to... Not fat ass Cecil Fielder. It's the fattest of asses. Yes. <laughs> Let's do wins leaders here. Let's see. We'll do four. We'll do four here. Greg Maddox. Maddox. Greg Maddox tied for third of the Chicago Cubs with 20. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, no. Glavin. Tom Glavin tied with Maddox with 20. Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens tied for six with 18. One more. Uh, Steve Avery? Wow, good guess. No. I like that one, though. Jim Edmonds. Old one arm. Was a, you mean Jim Abbott? Jim Abbott yeah, was a center fielder, and no. <laughs> Pedro. <laughs> Pedro Martinez, no. Denny Martinez. No, Denny Martinez. Good guess. I like that one. Fred Martinez. Freddie Martinez. No. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Tim Wakefield. No, Wakefield. Let's see. We got uh, one former show topic. Nolan Ryan. Not Nolan Ryan. He used to play. He played. When we covered him on the show, he played for the Marlins. Here he's with the Texas Rangers. 
Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown led the league with 21. Here's the rest of your top 10. All tied for eighth, Dave Fleming, Mike Moore, Charles Nagy, Jamie Navarro, and David Cohn. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yankees Yankees legend David Cohn. Tied for sixth with Clemens, Mike Mussina of the Baltimore Orioles. Ah, Moose. Tied with Glavin and Maddox for the Chicago White Sox. Blackjack McDowell had 20. Blackjack Mulligan? Cincinnati Reds legend. And tied with Kevin Brown. Jack Morris of the Toronto Black Blue Jack Lanza. Here we go. This is the one I've been waiting for. We're going to do saves, and I am removing Eckersley and Jeff Reardon. We literally just talked about them. So let's see if you can get three. Lee Smith. Uh, Lee Smith, second, 43. John Franco. John Franco, no. Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Todd Worrell. Todd Worrell, no. Damn. We got, uh, let's see, we got a Blue Jay, an Astro. Dave Steep? Nope. An Oriole, an Expo, a Padre, a Royal, a Twin, and an, oh, Eckersley led the league, and I took him away, so. (sighs) This is terrible. I 92 saves leaders. Klondike's artwork is great. It is. Bobby <laughs> Thinkpin, not one of them, I should say. Ah, as well. So former Cincinnati Red on here. Barry Larkin. Yes, that's it. Barry Larkin had 31 saves in 1992. All right, I'm going to start going through the list. Let's see if you can uh, guess any of them doing this. Tied for 10th. Steve Farr of the Yankees, Jeff Russell, and Jeff Reardon. In ninth of the Toronto Blue Jays, Tom Hankey with 34. That's not Dave, Steve, Tom Hankey. Tied for seventh with the Orioles is Greg Olson and then Doug Jones of the Houston Astros. Sixth place of the Expos, John Wetland. Fifth with the San Diego Padres, Randy Myers with 38. In fourth of the Kansas City Royals, Jeff Montgomery with 39. And in third of the Minnesota Twins, Rick Aguilera had 41. I never heard of any of those guys. That Randy is- Myers was one of the nasty boys. He was. I was really surprised you didn't get him. Brian Nobbs and Jerry. He Sides. wasn't with the Reds anymore. I said a former Red. Stupid. Let's move on from baseball to the mob. June 24th, renowned mafia boss John Gotti begins his life sentence for murder and an assortment of other crimes. There is a terrific documentary on Netflix that shows how several crime agencies took down the mafia bosses in one shot in the 1980s, and among them was Gambino crime family boss John Gotti. Gotti began working with the Gambino family during his teenage years, starting off as an associate of sorts to Carmine Fatico, who was a capo in the Gambino family. One of Gotti's first big jobs was to hijack some trucks at Idlewild Airport, now known as JFK. In February of 1968, he was identified by employees at United Airlines, and Gotti was arrested by the FBI. Two months later, while on bail, Gotti was arrested again for stealing $50,000 worth of cigarettes on the New Jersey Turnpike. I wonder if he bought those from Dino Bravo. Dude must have been a chain smoker. Yes. That's a lot of cigarettes. He needed his palm oil. <laughs> when Gotti's trial for the airline hijacking is concluded, Gotti was sentenced to three years at Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. 
Over time, Gotti worked his way up through the Gambino family, becoming a captain in October of 1976 after Carlo Gambino died at his home. Paul Castellano was appointed as the new family head, which upset many of the gang members and essentially split the family in two. When Gotti was released from prison, again, in 1977, he was made a made man in the family. Gotti joined the other half of the now-split Gambino family in December of 1978, orchestrated the largest unrecovered cash heist in history, which occurred at Kennedy Airport. Gotti's underboss, Salvatore Sammy the Bull Gravano, aided the FBI of convicting Gotti. In 1991, Gravano agreed to turn state's evidence and testify against Gotti after hearing the boss make disparaging remarks about him on a wiretap that implicated them both in several murders. The tapes had Gotti describing his newly appointed underboss as too greedy and attempted to frame Gravano as the main force behind a string of murders committed. Gotti attempted to reconcile with Gravano, but the reconciliation failed, leaving Gravano disillusioned with the mob and doubtful of his chances of winning his own case without his former attorney. Gravano was the first member of the New York crime family to turn informer and only the second underboss in history of the American mafia to do so. Because they kill you for things like that. They do. Yes. They kill you dead. Mm-hmm. Gotti was incarcerated at the United States Penitentiary in Marion, Illinois. If you've ever seen it, it's fabulous. He spent the majority of his sentence in effective solitary confinement allowed out of his cell for only one hour a day. Still managed to get in trouble, though. Yes. On July 18, 1996, a fellow inmate named Walter Johnson, who was also a great baseball player, Punched yes. Gotti in the prison recreation room, leaving him bruised and bleeding. Because according to New York's Daily News, Gotti had disrespected him with a racial slur. That'll do Yikes. it. Yikes. Gotti desired revenge. Offer, he offered Aryan Brotherhood chieftains David Shakian and Michael... Mickelhenny. Whatever. Penny Nickel. <laughs> Somewhere between 40000 and $400,000 to have Johnson killed. That's a big. I'd like to know. Is it forty or four hundred? Because <laughs> that's, that's a big spread. <laughs> well, it depends on how you kill him. In 1998, Gotti was diagnosed with throat cancer and sent to the United States Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri, for surgery. Though the tumor was removed and the cancer was discovered to have returned two years later, and Gotti was transferred back to Springfield, where he spent the rest of his life. His condition rapidly declined, and he died June 10th, 2002, at the age of 61. It's going to happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> he offered someone between forty and 400000 to kill a guy for punching him once. I'll give you somewhere between $5 and a billion bucks if you take care of this guy. <laughs> You decide how many zeros are on the check. <laughs> <clears throat> Final story, June 26th. The true wrestling icon passes away when Herman Road, better known to the world as Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, passes away at age 71 after su suffering a broken arm and three strokes, two of them in one day. First of all, Tim Hornbaker writes a phenomenal book about Rogers entitled Master of the Ring. I knew very little about Buddy Rogers before reading it, and it made me gain newfound respect for this man. After growing up in Camden, New Jersey, Rogers took wrestling as an interest early, joining a YMCA wrestling league at the age of nine. He then he would go on to win the YMCA wrestling league heavyweight title, which I did not know was a thing. He then joined the Navy during World War II. 
and started wrestling professionally in 1939, but had to have a hiatus there in the middle while he was fighting the war. And and when he returned, he actually beat Ed Strangler Lewis while still wrestling as Dutch Road. If you aren't a giant nerd like me and know wrestling history going back to the 19-teens, Ed Strangler Lewis was... I can't even say Hulk Hogan because he was bigger than Hulk Hogan. And he was also incredibly blind. But uh, to put Buddy Rogers over as not even Buddy Rogers yet is amazing to me. After this, Rogers would travel to Houston, rename himself Buddy Rogers, and win the NWA Texas Heavyweight title four different times. One of these title wins came against the vaunted Lou Thez. The two were like oil and water as Thez was a traditionalist and a purist while Rogers was flamboyant and colorful. This difference of opinions on wrestling started a career-long feud between both men that would rear its head several times over the years. Rogers was a 14-time world champion, notably holding the top championships in both the NWA and the WWF. Rogers is one of only three men to have held both championships, along with Ric Flair and AJ Styles. Wow. I don't really count the AJ Styles one all that much, though. It's not the same. That's rude. Mm. After Thez defeated Rogers for the NWA championship in 1963, Northeast promoters Toots Mott and Vincent J. McMahon withdrew their membership from the NWA and formed the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. The two promoters felt that Thez was not a strong draw in their territory. Therefore, the WWWF billed Rogers as their world champion, making him the first ever recognized WWE title holder. So, I found this little story. This is cool. He was a badass, legit, too, by the way. In 1989, while Rogers was eating a turkey sandwich at a hoagie shop in Florida, a six-foot-two-inch, 230-pound man in his late 20s began verbally abusing two female employees. Rogers told the man to quiet down so he could eat his sandwich in peace. But the man called him old and challenged him to a fight. Idiot. Rogers shoved the man to the wall, leading to the man throwing a chair at him. Rogers fought back, and the man was vaulted five feet into a refrigerator. Rogers nailed him in the stomach, and the man flew into the kitchen. He then held on to Rogers' hair, repeatedly telling him to stop, fleeing the shop afterwards. Rogers was like 80. 68. (laughs) Whatever. Close enough. Rogers, who received 14 stitches after the fight, stated to a reporter, the man calling him old was the worst part of the incident, then saying, hell, I'm only 68. That's not so old. Badassery right there. Um, Two pieces here to follow up on this uh, Rogers story, if we put it to bed. When uh, Luthez wrote his autobiography, Hooker, he actually praised Buddy Rogers in the book, so they were able to put their feet behind him after so many years. And also, do you guys know how Buddy Rogers won the world title in the WWF? In Rio a, de Janeiro. Uh, Rio won, de Janeiro. He won tournament. a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. We Love need to it. take it to Rio de Janeiro. I know. The WWE does some good shit there. Hey, if you go to Rio de Janeiro, you come back a champion. So, <laughs> I beat Roman Reigns in Rio. That's true. <laughs> it was a tournament. Dave, um, it's movie time, I'll, boys. <laughs> so good at this. Hit the clip. <laughs> oh, it's time for Dave's face. Have you seen it? 
life together? When do we ever have a life together? Come on, Sporto. Level with me. You slipper the hot beef injection. Go to hell! No! What's going on? I think this. Huh? <laughs> All right, after 17 straight weeks of losing, Tim finally got a win last month. Good job, bud. We'll see if TJ can come back around and deliver some chops in July. I need to redeem myself. This week, movie number one. On a budget of $45 million, our first movie grossed more than $178 million at the box office. $45 million is a ton in nineteen. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> is that Batman Returns? I did not put Batman Returns in here because it's on stories that missed the cut. This movie is an American action thriller film based on the 1987 Tom Clancy novel of the same name. Hump for Red October. No. When CIA uh, analyst Jack Ryan interferes with an IRA Patriot assassination. Games. Patriot Games. <laughs> Very good. Look at look at Timmy coming out strong. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Hit the clip. That's gonna make for some compelling audio. <laughs> why would you? Why would you fight on a boat that's on fire? Why wouldn't you just go? We're gonna die in a minute anyway, so why don't well, you sit here and relax? The ocean to put the fire out. I mean, what are you worried about? <laughs> All right, here we go. Movie number B. On a budget of seven point five million dollars, our second film this week. Grossed a whopping thirteen point two million at the box office. Yikes! Genius high school student Duncan Penderhughes is getting ready for graduation, but is somewhat disheartened to find out that, despite his perfect SAT score and four point oh GPA, prestigious Hafford University, a period. A period. A parody of Harvard University will not admit him unless he can pass phys ed class. PCU? Ex-convict Michael Blade Brown is released from jail and told by his parole officer that the condition of his release is satisfactory graduation from high school. I have no idea. (laughs) A mishap results in their pictures being swapped on their permanent school record. Oh! In effect, Blade is surprised to find out that he is being Mm. placed in gift classes while Duncan is shocked to be placed in minimal classes with substandard condition and miscreants for classmates. This movie stars kid and play house. It's not house party. I, I, I I can see it. Can I, I Ah, I've seen it a hundred times because he's got the short curly hair. It's not the box. (laughs) He's a football also has the chick from fresh Prince in it. It does, yep. Ah! Five. 
It's like head Four. of the class or something like that. Three. Class is in it. Two. One. Class act. Ah! <laughs> Damn it. TJ gets half a point. Yes. What? My show. <laughs> Rig shit. TJ, one half. Chilling. Till that first day of school. And there it was, the one mistake that would change the rest of my life. How big you said them titties were? Well, they were... Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say them titties were? I, I love, love that movie. movie. That love was that a great movie. movie. Those two yeah. were on fire for like four years. Yeah. Because House Party was also excellent. All right. Movie number three is worth three points. Oh. Because this is a harder one. <laughs> okay. On a budget of $23 million, our third movie this week grossed more than $57 million at the box office. Okay. Movie number three is an American psychological thriller film starring Kurt Russell, Madeline Stowe, and Ray Liotta. Um, I know it. After an intruder enters, enters Michael and Karen's upscale scale Los Angeles home, Karen is briefly taken hostage at knife point before the burglar escapes. The couple then befriend a lonely policeman, only for him to develop an unhealthy fixation on the wife, leading to chilling consequences. I've watched this movie a hundred times. This is one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, it's like in, in intrusion or something like that. Intruder invasion. Invasion of privacy. I can't. Damn it. This is going to piss me off. I love this movie. Unlawful entry. Yeah. Damn it. I knew that something movie. to do with like a law term. TJ gets another half point just because. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> I love this game and I love that movie. It's upsetting. I didn't remember. That. I haven't seen it in forever, though. Hit the so clip. One to one. One to one. This is Pete. Pete Penny. Hi, Penny. Nice meeting you. Hi, nice meeting you. Who we teach together? Oh, oh. And the kids at school would be so impressed that I'm talking to a real life policeman. They love cops. They're young. Give them time. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'd like to come and give them a talk sometime. Um. Yeah, sure. Public relations loves when we do stuff like that. Well, speaking of public relations, do you dance? Honey, can you rescue Roger? Help me out. Hey, Penny. Come on, Pete. Let's get that drink. Here's to your club, Mike. Pete, uh, I want to get something straight here. I'd like you to leave. Michael, what is with you tonight? Why'd you even invite me here? Oh, no, no. Telling you and inviting you are two completely different things. You seem so uptight. Relax. Madeline Stowe was hot there. Madeline Stowe was always hot. So Ray Liotta, 
was amazing in that movie. Yes, he, he is. He fantastic. won an award for that movie. He's fantastic at playing a shitbag. MTV Movie Award. Yeah. All right. I mean, is it my turn? No. No. Last movie of oh, the week. This- <laughs> oh, this always does four movies. <laughs> this numbers. comes from a series of movies. On a budget of $35 million, our last movie this week brought in $321.7 million at the box office. Oh, this is my favorite of this series. Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh. Loaded Weapon (laughs) 4. Lethal Weapon 4. Pursue a former LA Lethal Weapon 3. Lethal Weapon (laughs) 3. Loaded weapon. I was thinking loaded weapon four. Emilio. <laughs> I love that movie too. <laughs> it's a clip. You, you know how to fill one of these out? A long time ago. Let me see. Can't read it. It's print with little, but I'm a yeah. You're not help. Can we speed this up, please? You may have nothing to do. I have things to do today. Okay? No, we can't. So will you shut up? Jay Walker. Yeah, license yeah, jaywalking. Yeah, jaywalking. I don't have it on me, okay? I wasn't driving, okay? I was walking. What do I need a walking license oh, now? God. Let's just shoot. Oh, 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 Get out of the way, Rod. No, no, I'm gonna no, drill him. No, Would you make it look like suicide? Get out of the way. Would you make it look like suicide? Video camera. Video camera. I don't care. I'm still gonna drill him. Get out of the way. Get out of your phone. My partner killed you. No, that way. Not that way. This way. This way. Over there. Go right now. Right there. <laughs> I love, love that movie. Love Danny Glover. I can't wait for Lethal Weapon 5. Supposedly they're starting it. Wow. Movie number five. No. Mm-hmm. It's your turn. That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. I'm walking outside the train. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my darling, you look wonderful tonight. Okay, <laughs> World famous racist Eric Clapton. Right? Timmy's Trivioki. All right, 1992, one hit wonders edition. Right said Fred. So you will you will not hear the name of the bands in I'm the too sexy for my car. Too sexy for my car. So sexy. Yeah. You get negative a half point for that. Mm. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy oh it hurts. Why? Song number one, clue number one. This is the first single from the debut studio album, Totally Crossed Out. Jump. Correct. Mm. Hit the clip. That was the 
epitome of rap battles right there between crisscross and another bad creation another bad creation who wore their clothes inside out mm. and crisscross said fuck that we're gonna wear ours backwards yeah that lasted for like a month because they were like oh wait i can't get my pants off now because my zipper's on the other side and then they I have hit to unzip my ass to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> but that was uh, produced by Jermaine Dupree, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, JD were, made a lot of money on that. The kids were 12 and 13 when that song was recorded. The one like of them still wore his pants backwards and shit till he died. Really? <laughs> it's yeah. he, he pissed his pants to death. <laughs> He couldn't get his dick out. (laughs) (laughs) Song number two, clue number one, released in May of 1992. This is the second single from the album, Mac Daddy. Return of the Mac? That doesn't know. That would have been later than 92. Mm. Clue number two, the song samples the 1986 Detroit techno single Technicolor by Channel One. Wow, he guys are killed. Your, music, your music's terrible. <sighs> Clue number three: the first verse of this song begins with "I like big butts and I cannot lie." Mix a lot. Baby got back. Thank you, Dave. We TJ, both get a get, point for that. Get negative half point. Dave wins. I'm like hit the clip. This. Okay, I mean her butt. It's just so big. I can't believe it. it's just so round. It's like out there. I mean. Deep in a G, she's wearing. I, I'm, I'm I completely forgot about wearing. the racism. Oh, baby. I, I completely forgot it. about the racism in the beginning of that video. What's funny is, is that was uh, Hillary Banks from um, Fresh Prince, too, as well. That was yeah. her actual voice. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, because I didn't want the, the white girl to actually say that. <laughs> Could you imagine casting the part of the the girl at the beginning? They're like, we're going to cast you for this. We don't need you to do anything but stand there and rub your ass and turn around in a tight dress. No, we're yeah. not going to show your face. Just, just, just your, your ass. ass. We're hiring you simply for your ass. I'm in. I'll do it. Song number three. Clue number one. This was released on the debut album by an artist named Some Gave All. Whoop, there it is. No. In fact, you're going to kick yourself whenever you get this one. (laughs) This was written by amateur songwriter Don Van Tress from Cypress Inn, Tennessee in 1990. According to him, he was, quote, just fooling around on the guitar and a drum machine. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. This song was first released in 1991 by the Marcy Brothers with the title... Don't tell my heart. My achy breaky heart. Achy heart. Dave gets the point. Uh, yes. Clean sweep. Because he said it first. No, he didn't. He did. Yeah, I did. I mean, his Go video said it last, but yeah, his exactly. Voice said it first. That counts. <laughs> my producer hit the clip. Tell my arms, go back into the phone. You can tell my feet. 
Everything in that video was 1992. I'm going to download that and play it on the boat today. First of all, that is the whitest concert I've ever seen. Line <laughs> dancing in the audience. <laughs> Secondly, if, yeah. if you were alive or super young in 1992, we really need to stress how much that song took over the planet. Correct. For like eight months. That thing was, was awesome. everywhere. <laughs> I also enjoyed how sometimes his mullet was flowing and sometimes it was in a ponytail. In that video, that was great. It happened. Well, he he was a quick change artist. I guess. I think Timmy needs a mullet. No, he needs, already, a ten, he needs a Tennessee mud flap. I'm already part of the way there. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Let's start the show. WWF superstars, June sixth, nineteen ninety two. Our announcers are Mister Perfect and Vince McMahon. We get a recap of all the stories going on, including Boss Man, Papa Shango, as well as we will see on this show, Bret Hart, Crush, and the Repo Man. I miss when WWF Superstars was an actual show worth watching. Is it even still a thing anymore? It was on it, the network. but yeah, I, I think it's, it's like the dark matches before Raw or something. <laughs> but they're coming to us live here from God's country. Kentucky. Actually, I never heard them say where they were at. They were they in were, the bluegrass were, state of Kentucky. They were in Rupp Arena oh, is where they okay. were. Match one, Bret Hart takes on Tom Stone. Bret is still carrying the IC title and setting up his feud with Shawn Michaels. In the time it took me to fix the font size and write the sentence, Bret wins with a sharpshooter. All right, guys, I'm going to say one good thing about Bret Hart here. I like the fact that he actually wore his championship belt. I hate how belts are treated by their wrestlers now. Hell, Orange Cassidy carries his in a backpack. It gives your belt no value. But old Bret dispatched of Rosetta Stone really quick here. Rosetta Stone. And they, they were really pushing for this Shawn Michaels Bret Hart match quite heavily. I wonder if they'll ever face off. I don't think they did. No. Wonder if it'll be controversial if they do. Mm. They're definitely piping in crowd noise here, though. It was bad. Like it was like just three guys back by Michael. It's probably Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> probably. No, he was gone hey. here, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was. You're right. It was recorded. It's fine. Steve Pritchard. Mm. That kid that Brett gives his glasses to is an obvious plant because no one owns that much Bret Hart merchandise. <laughs> I am not exactly sure why Sherry was managing Sean here, though. During that promo, all she did was hold a mirror. Didn't say a word. Why? She usually didn't speak, though, during his promos. Didn't have to. Yeah. Same then, with when she was with Macho Man. She's a heat seeker on the outside. That's all she, that's all she is. And then poor Rosetta Stone, Brett stepped on his head as he stepped over for the sharpshooter. I felt bad for him. Yeah, Brett did not look happy after that match was over. It's because he stepped on the dude's head. Thought he was Goldberg. Mm. No, he kicked him in the head. <laughs> Burn. We're in the event center with Mean Gene, and don't forget to go buy your Ico Pro. Yeah. Now we're talking about Big Boss Man being attacked by Nails. Boss Man gets an easy win, and then Nails runs through the, runs through the crowd in an orange jumpsuit and attacks the boss man from behind while boss man was being a real baby face and bitch slapping the enhancement guy. He just beat after the match was over. I remember nails scaring me as a kid. And unfortunately now I know he's a weirdo. He handcuffed his interviews were so bad. 
I, I, more on that later. Yeah. He handcuffs Bossman and continues the attack. The escaped convict has infiltrated the ring on national television, yet no one is coming to help the boss man. Then there's this Nails promo, and it's not scary anymore. It's just stupid. And he's <laughs> slobbering all over the place. And and they're digitally enhancing his voice. I wonder what it's like to have a gimmick given to you that you know will never be main event worthy. The Nails gimmick could only go so far. And other than a feud with the big boss man, what else is he going to do? Feud with Virgil, didn't he? Go back no, to he prison. Just, he just beat up Virgil. I didn't know Nails was a doctor. What? <laughs> doc. It said Doc right on the back of his jumpsuit. Dr. Nails. Doc Nails. Department of Corrections. And why oh. are they having to disguise Nails' voice? Did he sound like a woman or something? Because uh, <laughs> you get so digital. Maybe he talked like uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Maybe. He's infuriating. <laughs> Well, I th- that would be worse, I think. Instead of the one he had, at least, at least like, well, you know, he, he's an ass kicker because you got to be to have that voice in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Match two. He was probably the guy John Gotti hired for forty to four hundred thousand. Why was that in the story? <laughs> oh, that was that's a that's a softball they just passed up on. <laughs> Match two. The Nasty Boys take on Reno Riggins and Major Yates. Reno Riggins has the first name Reno, yet his trunks say Las Vegas. <laughs> and he's from oh. Rhode Island. And he's from Rhode Island. Reno, Rhode Bo- Island. <laughs> the Nasty Boys are setting up for their feud with uh, high energy. The Nasty Boys get the win after a Sags top rope elbow drop. All right, guys, hear me out. Nasty Boys were way better heels than faces. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't do an armpit rub as a face. That's just not a good move. Shortly after this, they turned face, and they sucked. The Nasty Boys should have always been heels. I would have liked to have seen the feud with high energy, though. Yeah. I love, back in the day, I was like 10. I loved high energy. They're going to win the belts, man. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go to Sears and buy some belts. Now, let me tell everybody something. If you want to watch one of the greatest and what I think is a criminally underrated tag team match, go back to WrestleMania 7 and watch the Nasty Boys versus the Hart Foundation. It's a classic, and it doesn't get near enough recognition. I'll have to do that. At least Nobbs is wearing pants, and I don't have to see his asshole. And there's a guy in the crowd who came right from his law office to the arena with his tie undone. He and he hates the nasty boys. <laughs> he he looks angry and just with his tie and I, I ah terrible. So we have a WBF pay-per-view ad which I forgot was a thing. And during it, Vince McMahon says the phrase grade A prime beef. I wonder how many buys the WBF pay-per-view did. So I looked it up. I looked it up up right now. I just looked it up. 3,000. Lex Luger Luger gets injured just before this. This is when he breaks his his forearm. This is also during the steroid trial. So all the guys were off the gas. So they said everyone looked like shit. (laughs) All 3,000 people. 
They did 3,000 buys, and uh, a month later, the WBF was disbanded. What? All right. So at the beginning of the event center, did you see the stack of Ico Pro shit there was? You'd have to spend four hundred dollars to get all that shit. Yes. So, so you uh, can look like Las Vegas Riggins. So WBF did three thousand buys for their show. They are promoting the shit out of on superstars. We should do a watch along with. Absolutely should. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible to watch live, but it'll be funny to listen to us. <laughs> Match three, Texas Torino takes on the head gang member for Joker in the original Batman movie. I never even wrote his name down. Torino says he will be at the WBF show, and there's a special guest during the show, Lex Luger, who was not injured yet, but would be. Torino gets away with a discus punch. It was like five weeks after this, Tornado was gone from the WWF. I wonder what he would have been like if he still had both feet and wasn't on drugs. That's a great uh, question. World champion. That's what he'd have been. Quick squash match, though. Gosh, I miss these so much. I loved that we got one foot in action. I I like watching Gary Von Eric wrestle. Yeah. But how many cold sores do you think he got from kissing all those girls all the way to the ring? Well, they're in Kentucky, so probably a lot. Yeah, he probably got worse than cold sores. <laughs> cold now sores on his penis. Uh, <laughs> gonorrhea. Gonoria. <laughs> <laughs> now we're with Sean Mooney in the event center. We go to a promo with Jimmy Hart and the Mountie. The Mountie sings his theme song and he's I'm the Mountie. Yeah, I actually I enjoyed this a lot, way more than I should. And he called out Sergeant Slaughter. I basically get a Virgil promo. Great. He get he calls out everyone because his list of victories is just so impressive. Okay, I thought the best part was he said because he was f- born on Friday the 13th, he was ready for action. I don't get it. Is it bad to, that I always just hated Virgil? For, no, but it, it had to be. I don't. I think I don't. I didn't like him either. So I don't think you were the only one. So I told you guys I fell into this uh, wormhole of 1986 wrestling challenge that they yes. have on the network. <laughs> he is a jobber. Mick Foley is a jobber. Uh, Dean Douglas or whatever his name in that crappy ass promotion was. Did he go by Mike Jones? No, he went by oh what what was it? It was some stupid racial name. Oh, good. It was like Sweet George. Something I don't know. But this has got to be one of those times when McMahon's like at the announce table and watching that promo live, and he goes, "Never again," (laughs) because this was awful. Match four, the Beverly Brothers with the genius take on Mike Samples and some other scrub. I couldn't type fast enough and had to stop to listen to the genius read his poem, and I forgot the other guy's name. The Beverly start the match picking on a kid and taking off his LOD shoulder pads and painting LOS on them, Legion of Sissies. Oh, I thought I like, it was Los. Yeah, well, that too. I like the pairing of the Beverly's and genius, and I think this team never really got the run they deserved. I don't know if there was ever a tag... Uh, a tag. What? What was I trying to say here? Was oh, I don't know if the, the jobbers win. ever made a tag and the Beverly's get the win. That's what I was trying to say. I love the spot with the Beverly Brothers messing with the kid in the crowd and ruining his shoulder pads. It was like good. when DiBiase did the basketball thing. All that stuff was classic, man. You missed that. But shortly after this, LOD was also gone, so there was really never any. They returned at SummerSlam and were pretty much gone. I mean, they were gone before the next month. 
That's because after Hawk, showed the return. Up, Hawk showed up and didn't remember where he was. Yeah. And burned his leg on his motorcycle exhaust. Wonder what kind of backlash the WWF would get these days for using the word sissy in a negative connotation. Yep. That wouldn't that go over a, very well. Anymore. That was a thought I had. Yep. I thought the Beverly Brothers had a great set of mullets. I'm surprised they didn't come out to achy breaky heart. Mm. But how did they not get counted out when they were out there messing with that kid? Because the match had started and they That's were true. out there for far more than 10 seconds. It's a great, I would have great loved point. to have seen the ref count them out and the jobbers win. That would have been hilarious, actually. I should book. But it, it could have furthered their heel push. They're like, we don't care that we, we lost. We're going to terrorize this kid because he likes Legion of Doom. Yep. We're back with Sean Mooney in the event center and we're talking about El Matador. And he's talking about how everyone is chasing the IC title and list of contenders and thanks to fans. Now we go to Kim Chi, Harvey Whippleman, and Kamala. Whippleman's another guy who doesn't get his due. He's underrated as a manager. And actually, when I was watching this last night, my wife asked me who this was. And I said, it's Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And she goes, is he really from Uganda? I said, no, he's from Mississippi. <laughs> I was just thinking the event center is apparently where jobbers go to get promos because ain't been one main eventer on it. I love Tito, but I didn't know he was still here in 1992. So I'm, I actually, I've been watching all the Raws starting from the beginning in 93. And when they had the 20 man battle Royal where the final two face each other for the intercontinental title the week after Shawn match. Michaels, he was in it. Oh, Merced Solis. Love him. Well, he, like, uh, Razor Ramon's first WWF match was against yeah. Tito Santana. Nice. I love that the Brooklyn brawler was kimchi here. He could see right through his mask. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know what I meant? See, I liked the event center and when they do those promos backstage. And I liked it when they had like a background. Remember when everybody had their own individual like background behind yeah, them? Yeah, they did. They did on this. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I liked that. I wish they'd bring that back instead of hearing the music, walking out to the ring. I actually, I had to, I had to, to go back. In the back. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't understand why they don't do that anymore. But I actually, I did rewind the Mountie promo because I was so entranced looking at that ungodly taser he had that I wasn't paying it. I'm like, why is it so big? It was like this giant, like a DeWalt battery on the bottom of it. It was covered in tape. <laughs> <laughs> Match five, Crush takes on George Anderson. This is a 44-minute show, and we already have more matches than we do in a three-hour Raw. Crush was one of my favorites as a kid, and I don't get what he was missing. Size, strength, decent work. Well, I do know what he was missing. He was just missing the promo. That's all he was missing here. Brother. Crush talks about more WBF. Crush wins with the head vice. See, these shows were so great at getting talent wins on television and making them look strong. That's what all this was. But I never got it with Crush. He was always, or I was always a huge fan of Demolition, and I didn't even think he was good then. When they body slammed Yoko, I was rooting for Crush and Scott Steiner. But the head vice was a great finishing move. Loved it. Way better than the heart punch. Correct. No. No. Yeah. Good news, guys. The lawyers put his tie back on. Cool. <laughs> I thought Crush looked like Shaq from the movie Shazam here, the way he was dressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that finishing move was as dumb as the stupid claw. Dumb move. Head vice. Better than the heart punch. Heart punch. 
Speaking of better than heart punch, up next we go to Gene Okerlund as we talk to Papa Shango. I was all in on Papa Shango when I was a kid. This yes. guy scared the shit out of me. We're recap- uh, recapping the curse he put on the Ultimate Warrior. I wonder how a Papa Shango gimmick would be these days in wrestling. Could you imagine a few with Papa Shango and Bray Wyatt? That could make for some great TV, man. I don't know. Bray Wyatt was pretty was more miss than hit towards the end of this last run. But the hexes and stuff Papa Shango did freaked me out as a kid too. But Gene Okerlund here selling the the green goo coming from his hands was a little bit ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh. The, the Gene thing was bananas. It was terrible. Totally overdone. You didn't need to do that. <laughs> Hey, Timmy, what do you think about Papa Shango? Sorry. I... <laughs> Dick. My bad. I, I don't know how they didn't bring him back in the Attitude Era. He went through all those crappy Com- gimmicks versus combo and all that. Papa Shango would have ruled in the Attitude Era. Could you imagine Steve Austin puking? <laughs> Is he yeah, drunk? He did, it, he did it every night from drinking. Or Papa Shango in the Nation of Domination. <laughs> I like Papa Shango. They they could have gone somewhere with that. I I agree. I don't really know why it ended. Match six: Kevin Kruger and Kato take on High Energy. If Kato isn't with Pat Tanaka in the Orient Express, then why the shit is he still Kato with Kevin yeah, they, Kruger? They could have just had him as Paul Diamond. Correct. Why? <laughs> Owen is in my top five uh, favorites ever. It's Mick Foley, Mister Perfect, Piper Savage, Owen. In no particular order. It's because of this high energy team. Sure. High energy wins with a top rope drop kick. Like I said early, 10-year-old me, I loved high energy. I legit thought they were going to be champs one day. They're going to beat natural disasters with some crazy jump off the top rope. What about Owen and Jim when they did the new foundation? No, they were stupid. Okay. <laughs> But their outfits were god awful. New foundation. They were the same. They were the same outfits. Same. (laughs) Another quick squash match. I love these things, man. Owen was so good. This is one of my favorite shows we've ever watched. All the interviews, all the squash match, seven matches on this show. And this, but all it is, it was, it was, it was designed to get you out to watch the live events. Yes, it was. Care what was going on TV. All they wanted to see. The problem was with me was WWF never did live events where I lived because I lived in North Carolina at the time, and that was WCW territory. I also remember there, and and that's clearly Timmy's point is clearly right because why else would a virtual promo be on the show? If they cared about the television, that wouldn't be on. <laughs> also, I, I this was an interesting time, too, because 1992 is right when they're stopping having to screen your promos. Yeah. So they're just, it's, just, it's much more palatable to take in. Main event. <laughs> that's what you want to call Main it. Main event. <laughs> that's what you want to call it. Repo Man takes on Dan Robbins. Repo Man, the gimmick, catches a lot of shit now because of how silly it was and how Barry Darso... Had a great run in the 80s as Crusher Khrushchev and Smash, and now he's this. But I'll give Barry Darso this. He tried like hell to make this work. Repo Man wins with the single leg crab after the match. Repo takes up, ties up the feet of Robbins and drags him around the ring. Do you guys know that Repo Man eventually left the WWF because he wanted to become a face? He wanted the Repo Man gimmick as a face. I mean... How? I I watch those repo shows and I kind of think that the repo men are the faces. Well, I mean, you'd have to like, you'd have to steal like, 
Razor Ramon's Cadillac. But you're technically not stealing. Repo men take things because people don't pay that for should, them. That would have been amazing because Razor's whole thing was the white Cadillac in his promos and hey, he starts and Repo Man takes his shit while he's wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been but yeah, the Repo Man gimmick was bad, but it was better than his golfer gimmick he got when he left and went to WCW before becoming the Blacktop Bully. Y'all remember yep. that? Yes. Yep. You would never... He was so skinny and looked different. You would never know this was Smash from Demolition if it wasn't for that tattoo on his arm. Uh, that career arc kind of sucked because you crush or crush have your cool, then you're Smash Demolition. Here, we want you to repo shit. He went from Smash of Demolition to this. And where this... Uh, How did he not quit sooner? But wear this Hamburglar mask, too. <laughs> <laughs> you're not even the Lone Ranger good. Hamburglar. <laughs> you're, you're a Tonto. <laughs> I, need, I need a Repo Man autograph. I, I do love the fact that when they had the gimmick Battle Royal, he came out as a Repo Man. Well, Which yeah, is tremendous. Because I'm going to talk. To, I'm going to talk to Music City Toys and Collectible and see if he has any. Because he had them in, in in the uh, in the store. Hey, you want one. me to sign this as Smash? No, I want it signed as the Repo, repo Man. Please. I need a Repo Man autograph. I'm in. I want one as well. I'm gonna. <laughs> as soon as we get done, my phone's charging. I'm gonna text him and see if he can get us a Repo Man autograph. I want nice. it, but I don't want to pay for it. I want him to repo it. Mm. <laughs> I think we just. It. I'm I'm upset now that. They never had him turn face and repo a Razor's car because that would have been an outstanding. <laughs> well, we should, or, we should you know, book like it. 93, he could have repoed one of Luger's mirrors or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yokozuna's sushi. <laughs> I um, Also, when he became the blacktop bully, he was responsible for getting Dustin Rhodes fired from WCW also. So. <laughs> to end the show, we're going to go back to Sean Mooney as we hear from the LOD with Paul Ellering. I always forget how good LOD was cutting promos, especially Hawk. Now it's Money, Inc., the current WWF Tag Team Champions. They're getting ready to defend the titles against the Natural Disasters. Probably my favorite tag team at seven years old here in 1992, the Disasters. We get a teaser for next week, and then we go off the air. I always liked Earthquake. I don't know why. Mm. I, I still like Earthquake. The fact that he was 27 and looked 52 just bugged me. They were so fat, he thought they were from Indiana. That's why I cheered for him. Yeah. Well, Tinto's from Canada. I don't know where uh, Typhoon's from. I've America. His wife loved me. <laughs> America. If you enjoy America, <laughs> enjoy this week's episode, please let us know. Give us that patriotic five-star review wherever we get this podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow the network at Filter Free Net. Become a dummy head, www.patreon.com forward slash Filter Free. As for us, you can find us all on our social media platforms at Timmy C. At Timmy C. 1979. Dallas Bill Dave. At Dave in the QC. And I am at T. Stevens 91. Next week, we're going to cover Mid-South Wrestling from June 30th, 1984. The Discovery gets ready. We're born in the USA. We can officially clone an animal and so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast and so long for now. Joke of the week. How do you get a squirrel out of a tree? Shoot it. Pull down your pants and show them your nuts. <laughs>